0: 176 Fractured Skulls Terminator Charles alongside Monoxide we're back again with another new episode happy 2024 everyone yeah this is our first episode of the new year January 5th 11 11 p.m if you can't believe it Monoxide happy new year did you do anything special over this past weekend
1: no just drank that was it that's all i did this new year it's a reminder that you're getting old can't go backwards in time. Can't we just like slow time down? Because the next time I blink, I'm gonna be 50.
0: Well, don't blink too fast.
1: Oh boy. Just and and then by the time I'm 50, the wokeism that we have endured during this lifetime is going to be at its forefront tenfold. Like they're gonna start saying that. Oh, well, you know that that product Sprite. Guess what it rhymes with? White. No <laughs> it's evil. We gotta. We're, we're gonna call it. We're gonna call it Sprack. So it rhymes with black. Am I? Am I getting a little too facetious?
0: Yeah, you're getting a little overboard. I'm hoping by the time you hit fifty, society looks back at what happened twenty years ago and be like, "What the fuck were we thinking?" Oh,
1: here's another one. Fago. What does the word Fago rhyme with? Gay ho. No, gay. We can't make fun of the gay people.
0: yeah
1: exactly we gotta we gotta put a stop to this at all costs
0: well i think disney should put a stop to what they're doing right now with this next star wars film but we'll get to that in a few short moments we got some news stories we got a big film review to do let's check check it out Well, it was past January 1st, Mickey Mouse is officially public domain, which begs the real question, who's going to make a horror movie on Mickey Mouse first? What low-budget indie company is going to cash in on Steamboat Willie? Well, we saw a movie trailer, and as of right now, they're developing on another Mickey Mouse horror film that's going to be filmed in the spring. Um, I mean, this is, what it's, this is what it's come down to. This is what's going to be happening within the next decade. Once all these characters start hitting public domain, everyone's going to want dibs on who's going to make a horror movie of that character. Wait till the Looney Tunes go public domain. (sighs) And when do they become public domain? Weren't they made in the 30s?
1: Uh, Late 20s, early 30s, roughly.
0: Around that time, I could be wrong, but it's not too far off.
1: Uh, That also reminds me that the Little Rascals are close to being public domain as well, because they're the 20s.
0: Yeah, and um, just recently, Peter Pan also went public domain.
1: Oh God, do we really want a Peter Pan horror movie?
0: It's—I guarantee you—it's going to be happening. And as of right now, we're going to be getting a Winnie the Pooh two Blood and Honey. I believe they're going to be dropping a trailer soon. Oh, my
1: God. I mean, when, when I heard about the Winnie the Pooh horror movie, I thought this was going to be some classic funny shit. No, and. We didn't Uh, We didn't get that. We got something that was trying to be serial. And I was just like... (sighs) Again, these movies need to learn from some of the greatest. The the way that you have to do a comedy horror film, especially one like Winnie the Pooh, is that it has to be outrageous, but it can't be slapping you in the face with the comedy, like, wink, wink. That's why... Killer Pinata worked so well for me because it was so goddamn outrageous, but it wasn't winking at you at the at the camera like breaking that fourth wall like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It was a dumb movie that was just so over the top ridiculous that it was great. Same thing with Llama Get It. Those are two prime examples that we can bring on here that were just so ridiculous. Or one, I think I was the one that liked it, you didn't, was Woodchipper Massacre. I mean, it's so over the top. But when you get something like Mickey Mouse or Winnie the Pooh, or didn't they recently do one on the Grinch?
0: Yeah, they did. We haven't got around to that one yet. I forgot about the Grinch.
1: Yeah, so it's like you've got all these characters... To make it to a horror film, make it, dude, go corny with it. Go ridiculous with it. Because just the idea of Winnie the Pooh becoming a serial killer is just crazy in of itself. Like I know it's probably years down the road. Imagine if like the serial mascots became serial killers, like Toucan Sam or the, the bee from the Honey Nut Cheerios box. Or uh the the, the, the <laughs> Yeah, or or cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. Like, imagine these characters becoming killers.
0: Yeah, Mr. Clean becomes a killer. Oh Mr. Mr. Clean Kill. Ronald McDonald?
1: Imagine Ronald McDonald being a killer. Or or no, you can make Ronald McDonald into a juggalo. He can be an ICP member. <laughs> That'd be great. Or he he could be the new Joker.
0: Why so hungry? <laughs>
1: sticks the hamburger in my mouth. Let's put a smile on your
0: face. So, are we going to be reviewing the Mickey Mouse movie? Normally,
1: under under regular circumstances, I would say yes. But I'm just afraid that it's going to be like the Winnie the Pooh movie where it took itself too seriously. Oh, another movie that should have been great but it took itself too seriously was Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. That movie could have been awesome if it just was more lighthearted but it took itself too seriously
0: i don't know what to think with these movies is i mean like i said it's not going to stop anytime soon once these characters these iconic characters go public domain it's like it's all dibs let's get that horror movie out you know as what as possible
1: the best way to describe it is you know that scene in the original mortal kombat film where Liu Kang's. Fighting Shang Song and Shang Song turns into his brother and right as Liu Kang basically catches on to it, he turns back to Shang Song and he goes, my That's virtually what's going on with these horror movies or these characters.
0: Our next news story, let's see. We got Best Buy is removing all their physical media displays. They've been hinting at this for the past uh, several months, last year, and now it's happening. Physical media slowly disappearing, guys. Which for movies and music,
1: I can see, but even music, because vinyl has been making a comeback, why would you want to get rid of that? And then, with uh, video games, obviously there's still a high demand for wanting physical media there, because why do you want to just be relegated to digital? We had this discussion in one of the episodes, is digital really yours, as opposed to a physical copy? And the worst part about it is that you're not seeing the plethora of deals in digital that you would see if they were physical copies.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, every now and then you may get that holiday deal, Black Friday, whatever holidays around. They may do some little discount. Yeah, know, that's, exactly. that's what you're going to get.
1: Yeah. But other than that, you're not going to get much of anything. You're going to have to pay full price for a game that may have came out two or three years ago that isn't worth it.
0: You know, with movies, I know with DVDs they add a lot of special features, behind the scenes, and then you know you may get a lot of that with a DVD. But when you buy it online, you, all you get is the movie.
1: You get the movie, and you may have to pay <laughs> like 15 bucks for just the movie, and that's if you want it in SD. Maybe 20 bucks for the HD version.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean.
1: I don't know. As you said, Best Buy had been hitting at this for quite a while, and it looks like they're meeting up with their quote-unquote threat, because here we are. This is the end of physical media. What else does Best Buy have at this point? Household appliances and computers.
0: Yeah, digital electronics, TVs, laptops, and yeah, any other electronic device. And then, even then,
1: now they have people there that don't know what the fuck any of this stuff does, because they're all a bunch of kumquats. <laughs> I'm being serious when I say that, because all I did was approach a, a worker asking him, there was a game that was both for the PS5 and the PS4. Same t- title, just for two different consoles. So all I asked him was is the one that's on the PS5 the same price as the one that's on the PS4 and he looked at me like I had two freaking heads and I spoke Spanish, was standing upside down and was wearing an Alberto Del Rio's The Greatest wrestler of All Time shirt. I just asked a simple question. It's, it follows with either a yes or a no, but he couldn't decipher what the fuck I was saying. Uh, yeah. He, he sounded like Rocky. Uh,
0: well, our next news story. Jason Blum and James Wan have finalized the merger of Blumhouse and Atomic Monster. Into one, I guess, one big Blumhouse. It looks okay. like Wan and uh, Jason Blum are going to be in bed together. Making horror movies. I know, what's that next film they got coming out? Night Swim?
1: Uh, you would know better than me? I mean, I haven't kept up with James Wan over the years so this would be news to me on what he's going to be doing
0: yeah i know the last horror movie we he made that we reviewed on here was it was that one malignant did we review malignant yeah it's one of the girls had that monster on her back of the head or her head
1: oh yeah man we've done so many movie reviews i'm starting to lose track of what we reviewed
0: yeah he did that one before he went back to doing the aquaman which, good news for Aquaman, it has surpassed the marbles at the box office. Isn't it still a flop, though? Oh, yeah, it's still a flop, of course. But it passed 200 million, more women went to go see Aquaman 2 and look at Jason Momoa than Brie Larson and her female friends. It's
1: quite interesting. I, I don't mean to delve off topic here, but... It sort of deals with what we're talking about. So I had sent uh, my good buddy over here, the co-host, some uh, fan fiction Harry Potter story that I've been writing. It's just, it's a fan fiction. It's something I like to write. I don't intend it to ever see a a theatrical release or anything like that, because who the fuck's gonna wanna take a script from some average Joe Schmo here in New Jersey, that would require J.K. Rollins' blessing, but I digress. Let me put it to you like this. It's pretty much anti-woke. And when I say anti-woke, I don't mean I shove it in your face. If anything, from the anti-woke crowd, they wouldn't notice a damn thing. They would just think it's a regular fan fiction. It's just me writing stories. However, there is... Quite a number of scenarios where, guess what, the male wizard who's in love with the female witch saves her from a catastrophic end, if that's a word. So, is that considered anti-woke? If I'm having the male constantly saving the female from a very bad ending? Yes. There you go. So I guess
0: she don't need no man. She
1: don't need no man.
0: And let me ask you this. Go ahead. Would you be open to changing some of your characters to, let's say, appeal to more of a modern audience? To put it bluntly, no. (laughs) Because
1: the main story, I'll I'll, I'll let you in on the story that I have written down, because it's literally based on four characters. Three are Slytherins, one's a Hufflepuff. It literally is the story of four different characters, the Slytherin main guy. He's a very blank, cold person, but he does not act evil. And it all has to do with a very tragic event that happened when he was a child that prevents him from crying. Meanwhile, a very happy-go-lucky Hufflepuff sees this guy and is interested in him for his mystery. And falls in love with him. And they become a thing. The third guy. Nerdy, awkward, best friends with the first guy I told you with. They've been friends before Hogwarts. Gets into a relationship with a Slytherin girl who is considered the hot piece of ass of Hogwarts. I won't delve too much into it. Because I would like for Travis to read what I have written down. But... It's four dynamic characters That develop A chemistry between another That eventually Becomes a united front And yes I'm going to be a front with you people They are all straight Two of them Are males And yes they are all White White, white. Like Walter
0: That's no good
1: I know. I know. I'm, I'm the worst piece of shit in the world. I know. I should never, ever relate to things that I've enjoyed growing up or I've seen with my own two eyes or put my own personality into. Because isn't that what we do as writers? We usually interpret all the things we grew up with or what we like or we enjoy.
0: Well, I will check out that script and I will get back to you on it.
1: And, like I said, I have more now since I sent you that, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, keep brainstorming.
1: Keep brainstorming. In fact, here's the two... Here's the one big thing that has helped me, because I'll, I'll be honest, I've been using chat GPT to help with ideas bounce back and forth. The one thing that has inspired me is music. Believe it or not, it is music that has gotten me real amped up to want to write. and. Music does play a correlation into this story. But to get back to the main crux of this point, you mentioned earlier that Jason Momoa as the Aquaman has done better in the box office than these... Uh, What, what would Scott Steiner say? I, I haven't slept with any of these bitches. How am I supposed to know their names? What, is it? what was this stupid movie? The Marvels? Yeah. Okay, good, great. It, it, it's marvelous to know that these women still can't draw. What is it, Mike Graham said? Put women in a bunch of superhero suits. Never drew a dime.
0: They're not going to stop. They're going to continue the mission. Because speaking of girl power, let's talk okay. about let's go over Star Wars.
1: Everybody
0: okay. wants that Rey Palpatine, Ray Skywalker, whatever her last name's going to be for the day. They want to see more because. In, they're doing because this because is, this is Bob Iger's legacy. This is Catherine Kennedy's legacy. Is this new race Skywalker. And they got to make this work, Dr. Stevie. They have so, to. Who do they bring in to direct their next Star Wars film? Someone by the name of Sharmine Obaid Chinoy. <clears throat> who is Sharmine Obaid Chinoy, you ask? Well, let me tell you. She is an academy award-winning documentary director she spent her career producing a lot of stuff but all her work has been documentaries i'm i'm, I'm scrolling through imdb saving face uh ho yakin song of lahore lahore all
1: right <laughs> w- w- what's her name one more time
0: jermaine obaid chinoy Oh, and she directed two episodes of Miss Marvel at Disney Plus TV Series.
1: The second you said her name... I know, this is going to sound very offensive, so close your ears if you're fucking woke and can't take a joke. Every time you said her name, I kept thinking of Doodle Bob going, Me noi, me noi! (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Anyways... I'm assuming they didn't hire her for her credentials. I'm going to assume it has to be based on the thing that she can't control, which is her ethnicity, her skin color, and where she was born, and probably the gender she identifies as.
0: Yes. Now, originally, Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct the Star Wars movie, the director of the Wonder Woman movies, but with the failure of Solo Star Wars stories, everything got shelved all the future Star Wars movies got shelved, including Patty Jenkins' Rogue Nation. And it seems like that ain't gonna be happening. Here's the thing. The Solo
1: movie failed because people were starting to suffer through overdrought of Star Wars films. Because think about why that first film succeeded. There was literally a 10-year drought of no Star Wars main picture movie to come out and then as soon as that movie came out what was it like every year they were releasing something star wars related the reason harry potter hasn't suffered that same drought is because you have the eight films but because they were based on the books that it plays a different dynamic but you also have the fantastic beast movies which there's only three of it you have you have the play, Cursed Child, which is supposed to be based 20 years after the events of Deathly Hollows. And it's supposed to be centered around, if I have the story correct, it's supposed to be centered around Harry's kid, who's dejected because he fails to live up to the legacy of his dad. Um, and then you have Hogwarts Legacy, which has its own story. But there doesn't seem to be this overdraft I don't know if that's the right term I'm using. There's oversaturation. That's the term I'm thinking of. There's not this oversaturation of Harry Potter content that's just filler at this point. And solo, just in practice, seems like a great idea. But when you oversaturate the market of all this Star Wars crap, I'm sure that the people who are a fan of Star Wars couldn't get two shifts, They want more Star Wars. Great. That's wonderful. And to be honest, the other people that don't want it don't have to watch it. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Well, yeah, I, so, I think everyone still has The Last Jedi uh, taste in their mouth.
1: Well, that too, yeah, because The Last Jedi completely contradicted a lot of Star Wars lore. It contradicted uh, the whole entire aura of what made Luke Skywalker such a compelling person. <laughs> Take a character, and, and it's one thing if you fuck up Jar Jar Banks, R2-D2, C-3PO, it's one thing you butcher them, or Chewbacca, but to take the one character who was by all accounts the real Chosen One because if you remember the prequels, it was thought that Anakin was going to be the Chosen One, but it ended up being Luke. You have to understand that Luke's Whole aura about him, even though he's like a cookie cutter, clean guy, the fact is he always saw hope in his dad. Matter of fact, the whole title in Star Wars Episode 4 is called A New Hope Luke Skywalker. He is the hope. He saw the good in his dad after his dad committed all these atrocities to the entire galaxy. And yet, in Last Jedi, he completely eradicates that whole entire premise that made Luke Skywalker, Luke fucking sky fucking walk fucking Er. Of course, people are gonna revolt. And that's just one detail that I brought up of the many that Last Jedi did that completely pissed all over the legacy of this franchise.
0: But uh, anyway, getting back to uh, Miss Chinoy, I call her Miss because I know for damn sure she's not married. Uh, she's an Academy, Academy a two-time Academy Award winning director for Best Documentary Shorts, uh, Saving Face and A Girl in the River. I believe these are true stories about um, unfortunate incidents that's happened to women in Pakistan. I think Saving Face was about a woman that got acid thrown in her face, I believe by her husband or something. Again, I'm pretty sure those are some great shorts. I actually wouldn't mind checking those out. With that said, how does that relate to Star Wars? How can an American audience relate to that? That's not part of our culture per se. Maybe you know, Pakistan, fine, but you're not trying to appeal to a whole new market. A market that I don't that you're not really familiar with. This woman has never directed a major motion picture, baby she's directed episodes of miss marvel two episodes i mean but where where's the qualifications for her to direct a big budgeted movie let alone a star wars movie
1: i'll i'll tell you because as you were talking as you were making your point <laughs> according to wikipedia it says charmaine obeyed is a pakistani canadian journalist filmmaker and activist known for her work in films that highlight drum roll please gender inequality against the women's <laughs>
0: of course of course <laughs> they, love, they love their first time ever first time ever women of pakistani directed a star wars film. that's it's a it's a again this feels like a diversity hire She wasn't hired for a mirror, she was casted to do a job. Let me
1: confess this. She may be good at the field that she participated in, which is documentaries, as you noted. Her documentaries may be stellar. But, does that necessarily mean that her directing will translate into a quality Star Wars film?
0: Now, the documentary and directing an actual film are two completely different fields. And I have a feeling that her field in documentary is going to affect the way she may film uh, the Star Wars. And her TV credit, uh, Miss Marvel, those episodes she directed were terrible.
1: It, not just that, but like, all right. I
0: would say this. If they were to
1: make The Cursed Child into a movie, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, if they were to get even a director like Quentin Tarantino to direct it, Me, who loves Tarantino's work, who loves Harry Potter films, even I would sit there and scratch my head going, "Um, Wait a second, how exactly is Tarantino going to make Harry Potter and the Cursed Child into a quality Harry Potter film when Wheaton's best work really doesn't revolve around wizards and witches and stuff like that?
0: No, it he's just, not. He doesn't do fantasy stuff like that. That's not him. No, he Smirks usually fo- grounded. He either focuses
1: on historical events, like a f- fictional story within the context of something that happened realistically in the background. Similar to like Titanic, the one with Leonardo, where the story of the Titanic really happened, but the story of Rose and and what's his name, Jack, was fake. He's good at that, like with Django Unchained and Glorious Bastards. Or he's good at crime films with, involving gangsters such as Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, or Samurai movies like Kill Bill. That's his forte. He's very good at that. But if you were to tell me he's going to direct a Harry Potter film, yeah, I'd be like, can, can you just get Chris Columbus back? Because he did really well with the first two films. That's what I would say, but beyond the point, this person that they just hired, they really saw her documentaries and then had her, like, first of all, forget about the Star Wars film. You said that she directed two
0: Marvel shows? Two two episodes of the Miss Marvel TV series, the show that nobody watched.
1: All right, so going back to that, let's, like, even go back to that. Where did they get the idea that, okay, this woman, she's directed documentaries. Let's have her direct a TV show about Miss Marvel. Like, I just can't, I, I can't wrap my head around that.
0: And, yeah, I, and now it's like, let's throw, let's throw $200 million at her to direct a space adventure movie. Yeah. Well, sure.
1: Let me throw a better example at what I just said with the Harry Potter Cursed Child. Imagine if they hired Louis Thoreau, who is also a documentary filmmaker. I don't think he does films. Most of his stuff, if I remember, was mostly for television. But suffice it to say, all that stuff, like if he was good in his field of uh, documentaries and stuff like that, most notably, uh, he did one on the Westboro Baptist Church, which I highly recommend he goes to them twice uh, once in 20 2007 and once in 2010 i believe but yeah it's he's very good at that but to put him in the confines of trying to make an epic fantasy film especially since star wars despite its reputation at the moment being in the fucking toilet it's still an epic soap opera sci-fi film and you're relying on this woman to be able to capture that for the big screen
0: and there's more to this.
1: Oh, God. Here we go.
0: She's kind of having her Rachel uh, Ziegler moment. Weird. Weird. Now, she has said when she got casted to direct Star Wars films, she has said, It is about time a woman is in charge and can tell the story in a galaxy far, far away.
1: <coughs> uh, what? So, wait, Kathleen Kennedy didn't exist those years? I mean, yeah, it's great that she did a horrible job, but...
0: Exactly. I was like, wasn't a woman already shaping this freaking franchise since Disney bought the damn property? And look where it is now.
1: She sounds like, who is that actress that went out there and said that there had never been a lead female action star? Oh, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, God, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that was her Jennifer Lawrence, Martin. Now we're going to get to her Rachel Ziegler moments.
1: Oh, great. Oh, so she has more than one fucking botched moment.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming this was an interview she did a couple years ago. She's like on a stage at a panel. She's being interviewed by Jon Stewart. Um, okay. And she said, and I quote, I like to make men uncomfortable. I enjoy making men uncomfortable. So um, if I was to apply for a job, and they asked me, why, why do you want to work here, Travis? And I said, and I'm going to say what she said. I like to make women uncomfortable. I enjoy making making women uncomfortable. But I get the job.
1: Yeah, you would be looked at as chauvinistic.
0: But never
1: mind that. What does she mean by that? Like does she mean she literally likes to make the men that she works with uncomfortable or the audience that she is showing her product to uncomfortable? Because keep this in mind too. This goes back to that I think it was in England. It was in England, Australia, or Canada. I don't remember. Maybe it's even been in the United States. I don't remember. But there was a coffee slash tea shop where the gimmick of the whole place is women get to pay less than the men. The men were going to be charged an extra tax because of the whole 77 cents to a dollar. And this was supposed to be progressive and all that stuff. Guess what? Within a year, the fucking place closed down. Why? Because men, first off, don't want to go there because they're going to be unfairly charged more than the women. And then women didn't want to go there because, A, they felt patronized, and B, they may have male boyfriends, husbands, fathers, sons, gay friends, brothers, cousins, grandfathers, uncles whatever that they realize we can't take them there because they're going to charge them more and i don't want them to do that that's unfair to my loved one so fuck you and left so th- that's what happened to them and that doesn't even take into account if you are born a female and identify as a male like where that goes i don't even fucking know but that's why they went out of business now oh fuck how did i get to this point the whole uh making men feel uncomfortable it's like do you want to show a movie that solely just makes the men feel uncomfortable to where they don't want to watch your product and then the women don't want to watch your product because they want to watch it with their man and the man don't want to watch it because it makes them uncomfortable what the fuck
0: and most women will never go to a star wars room because they want to feel represented like oh that's that guy shit that's a that space shit uh we're not into that I don't understand i don't understand is that supposed to be like a, a marketing ploy is that supposed to lure and draw people in it's already bad enough disney's having a hard time keeping control of their actors so they don't say dumb shit when they're being interviewed you would think they will keep these people on a tighter leash here's the thing
1: the novelty of women getting into nerdy shit, such as star wars video games and all that stuff it was much dare i say sexier When we didn't force feed it to them, and they just naturally came to
0: it. It was sexier when it was a boys' brand. When you have franchise, that's a boy. When you have a boys' brand franchise, it attracts everyone. When you make it into a girls' brand, it attracts no one.
1: uh, We may have talked about this on the podcast. I know we've talked about it personally, but one of my celebrity crushes was AJ Lee, former WWE wrestler. Why? Because she was a tomboy still is but when i was watching her on tv she was a beautiful puerto rican woman from my state she we're the same age uh no she was two years old but point is she loved video games comic books and all that stuff she was beautiful and keep this in mind too it wasn't a gimmick that was really her and this was around a time where again started seeing more girls into it but it still wasn't force-fed she just naturally gravitated to that and here's the thing she still identified as a woman and she felt like a woman
0: yeah she was a girl who liked boy things that's that's not exactly just
1: because a girl's into boy things does not mean she's a fucking boy
0: it just means she's in the and Because it wasn't force-fed
1: onto her, it made her sexier in my eyes.
0: Yeah. It it, it doesn't mean you need to completely rebrand a product to make it more girl-focused. Being boy-attracted was the reason why those girls were attracted to it. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Exactly. All you have to do is just present the product as is. Star Wars... Broken, don't fix it. Yeah, Star Wars, before you decided to make it female empowerment, having girls in there was fun. Same thing with pro wrestling. I mean, pro wrestling is a little bit different because there was a good section of guys, myself included, I'll be the first to admit felt like if I'm going to watch women on my TV wrestling, at least put on some good wrestlers and I'd like to have good matches rather than just strip-teasing and only strip-teasing or two-minute matches. It's like, if you're going to use them, use them to their advantage. But that that's a whole different argument entirely. But the point still stands. Star Wars was fine before you made it woke. And girls who got into it, were going to get into it in their own way, regardless if you put females in it or not. And you had females in it.
0: You had Princess Leia. Isn't that good enough? No, we need more. I mean, as I said, the Force is female. Hell, you had Padme in the newer
1: ones. Well, now they're not so new. I mean, 20 years, but they still feel new to me.
0: But yeah, you had Padme. Yeah, but all that is not Disney's creation. Disney's creation is Ray Palpatine or Sky, whatever her name is. That's their legacy. That's who they want people to be invested in. This is all they have left for Lucasfilm. Because everyone's dying to see a Ray Star Wars movie.
1: I. And not only that, where can they actually go with this one? Why would you. When was the last one that came out? What year?
0: 2018. I wanna say.
1: So by the time this one comes out twenty twenty six, okay, so yeah, that would be um roughly eight years since the last mainline. Star Wars film, but I don't know. I just think that
0: I think it's a it's D O A.
1: Yeah, this is totally dead on arrival. And with the whole advent of all these Disney films not drawing in a profit, you're it's if it keeps going the way that it's going, then Disney's on a fucking snowball, rolling downhill, never going to stop. And it's probably going to take a bunch of villagers with it.
0: I mean, I don't mean to sound sexist, but it's going to be a hot take. Women are fucking up everything right now in all their high spots, whether it's Star Wars, Bud Lights. Well, it's not like <laughs> we're, look at we're, we're also, I know, World War 3 we're a huge culture war i mean fuck look at dave chappelle he said it
1: Chivalry in dead and women killed him
0: <laughs> and,
1: and he brought it up he's like i was looking at one of the magazines by one of the feminists that said a uh, hundred ways to please your man by some lady listen that list that list is four things long a second get yeah, play with his balls and uh play with make him a sandwich and don't talk so damn much that'd be happy That's the the other thing that you don't realize. You are catering to a female audience. Great. The tomboys, as we said, like the simple dumb shit that us guys like. However, women are way more complex than that. There is a much more complex way that you have to go to satisfy them. So, with us, it's simple. Just make the movie. With these movies, if you're trying to cater to a female audience, you're going to please no one because, again, you have to cater to a whole list of different demands, and every woman is fucking different and has a whole different list of different demands that they need to be satisfied. So why are you trying to do this? Come
0: on. Yeah, I, uh, well, I wish Star Wars the best of luck. Uh, I can't wait to see how bad that's going to turn out. I mean, it's like, it's like watching a, a train wreck.
1: But, yeah, but see, this type of train wreck... I don't know if you ever watched Thomas the Tank Engine growing up when all the trains would fall off the track and all the, the cargo would fall over and the trains in space would fucking start googly-eyeing. That's what this is.
0: The thing is, this could be stopped. Bob Iger, all he has to do is come in and say, no, we're not doing this. We're going a different direction or get someone else or He could stop this at any time. He's the boss. $200 million. Probably going to be more.
1: You know what I would find truly shit fascinating. A the, f- the fascinating thing, if it happens, and I will laugh wholeheartedly, is that this ends up like, what was it, that Batwoman film where they make the whole thing and then they just shelve it? <laughs> <laughs> tax write-off. <laughs> Could you imagine a Star Wars film, a Star Wars film, being considered a tax write-off?
0: That would be hilarious. I, I hope that does happen.
1: Mark this episode down. If it happens, you heard it here. I predicted the future, and you can call me Confucius.
0: Well, with that said, let's get to our film discussion. Jurassic World Dominion, or Jurassic World 3, or Jurassic Park 6, the final in this reboot trilogy, I guess, of sorts, um uh, let's see what imdb has for the plot let's see what they what they tell us after surviving the destruction of isle nubla whatever the hell the name of that island is owen grady and claire daring took in young mace lockwood they've been living under the radar to protect mace but she feels like a prisoner when mace goes missing owen and claire set out to find her and eventually confront lewis dodgson owner of bioson ellie sattler alan grant and Ian Malcolm set out to expose and schemes. Where in that plot uh, does it say anything about dinosaurs? It doesn't. And that is my biggest problem with this movie. The dinosaurs have taken a back seat in their own film. Jurassic World Dominion. Director Colin Trevorrow makes his return after directing uh, Jurassic World. And Chris Pratt and all your usual... Uh, actors make their return, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, alongside with our legacy actors Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, and Sam Neill make their returns. So, funny enough, what you just said, that being your
1: biggest problem, that wasn't even mine. The thing is, I didn't mind the type of movie they were trying to execute here. The problem is threefold. One, Is that this is meant to be the final movie. The finale of this trilogy. So a movie like this should have either been... This should have been the second film, if anything. To separate itself from the first and give it a different vibe. Because I do appreciate them trying to steer away and do something different. I can give them credit there. Secondly, you'll be going over this plot. But I felt like the first hour and a little bit of change in, I was fine with this. It started to rear off completely after about an hour and change, so it really showed that this movie went way too long for its own sake. Three is that for a movie that's supposed to be the trilogy, it just didn't feel like there was much of a real villain like there was in Fallen Kingdom. Because at least in Fallen Kingdom it felt like there was a villain. There was a villain here but he didn't feel significant enough of a threat or build up as a threat No he was boring as fuck He was just whatever. So to give you my opinion of the film outright before we even go over everything is that when this movie came out, I heard a lot of bad things about it. I heard it was terrible. Like, not a lot of people liked it. It was considered, it's considered the worst, I guess they would say, of the whole entire franchise. Um, I did not hate this as much. Now, to be fair, that's because I went into this hearing a lot of negativity. So that could've downplayed a lot of the suckitude this film may have had had i just went into it blindly without any opinions thrown into my ear but that being said i think there were things about this film that i thought all right i can dig this and then there were just things about this film where i'm just like yeah that was swing and a miss swing and a miss
0: so um Uh, Colin Trevorrow, here's a little fun fact you might not know about him. He was supposed to direct the last Star Wars film in the Disney trilogy. He was supposed to direct part three.
1: Uh, yeah. Was he the one that stepped out because they fucked up his plan?
0: Uh, well, what happened was, I I don't know if he was supposed to direct part two of Jurassic World, but he went on to direct another film after he did the first Jurassic World movie. He did The Book of Henry. And that film flopped. Pretty badly to the point uh, Disney got cold feet with on him, and eventually they didn't hire him for uh, Star Wars 3, and they brought back J.J. Uh, Abrams.
1: So mm-hmm. like
0: that freed up his schedule, and he came back to do this one instead, uh, Jurassic World 3.
1: As you said, the one thing that people are going to take away from this film is that the dinosaurs are clearly mm-hmm. not the attraction here. It's the whole... If I got this right, it was the whole containment of how dinosaurs and humans can coexist. And I think, oh, you know what? There's one other major problem that I do have with this film. I guess you can add it at number four. So you've got the new cast, which is uh, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and I guess Dewanda Wise, although this is her only Jurassic Park film that I can recall they could have brought the other two from the previous one but they played small roles here but we'll oh, just yeah. say, they
0: literally had that small scene just to write them off
1: which was weird but alright
0: I, I thought they were annoying good bye adios they may have been annoying but at least they were established
1: the, that's the point I'm going with this is them along with Isabella Sermon and then you have the original OG cast Sam Neill Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern appearing all three together for the first time since the first film
0: because and at least they had their their legacy characters appear together unlike another franchise
1: with that being
0: said them
1: appearing all together at once did not feel special at all it did not feel epic Mm -hmm. and when they actually interacted the old characters with the new characters that too did not feel epic
0: no that they were trying to go for their Spider-Man uh, No Way Home scene When all the Spider-Mans meet up for the first time That felt special They were trying to go for that here And it did not work at all Because you wanna... the new characters just Really aren't that over Dude,
1: let me tell you special And I know I'm bringing pro wrestling into this Fuck you, it's the best thing that I can come up with to get you to understand my point <laughs> You want to hear special? You want to hear special? I can't remember what Raw it was It was after No Way Out 2002. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the ring. No talking. The crowd already is buzzing. And The Rock hasn't even found out the challenge yet. But the fact, Hulk Hogan and The Rock, two different generations of big-time stars staring face-to-face with one another. Granted, this is N.W.O. Hogan doesn't fucking matter. It's Hulk fucking Hogan and The Rock staring face to face. And then when The Rock actually lays the challenge at WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan and The Rock, the crowd goes nuts and goes even more nuts when Hogan accepts. That is epic. That is a big time feel. This should have been a big time feel because Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill, they represent the old trilogy. Theoretically, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are the only ones that represent the new trilogy. Because they're the only ones that have been in all three of them. I'm not sure about Isabella Sermon. I don't think she was in the uh, first Jurassic World. The point is, these are two different generations. It should have been epic when they finally met and it felt completely deflated it just didn't feel special it didn't even feel special as i said when the old characters finally got together for the first time since the first movie you got to keep this in mind too ladies and gentlemen because after the first movie the second movie only had jeff goldblum the third movie had sam neil and lord darn was in there for like a cup of coffee none of them were in jurassic world oh and keep this in mind too they also had uh what's his face
0: um that uh yeah i know you're talking about the signs. yeah it seems like they can't decide if he's a good guy or a bad guy i feel like he he keeps switching sides like every movie
1: that's the thing like in the first movie he was an innocuous guy who just happened to work for jurassic park he wasn't a villain he just was a guy earning a living the fourth and fifth movie, Jurassic World 1 and 2, I, I can't remember if it was in Jurassic
0: World. He was a bad guy. I think he was just there. I think, yeah, he was just there, basically because first movie.
1: Yeah. Fallen Kingdom is where he became unlikable. And then by this movie, he's likable again. Like, what? With no motivation.
0: It's just, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to more of that once I go through the thing. Um. Yeah. So, I saw the extended version. You saw the regular version. Uh-huh. The theatrical version. Now, in the theatrical trailer, they had a lot of scenes that was not in the theatrical version, but it was available in later in the extended version. Uh-huh. Now, um, when the film started for me, I guess it they were like in the Stone Age, showing the dinosaurs fighting each other, and the T Rex died, and then it showed the mosquito, uh, s- blow a uh, sucking the. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. Sucking out the
1: dinosaur. Oh. Before you continue, I have one more complaint about this film. They barely used the epic legendary music. The two main themes. They may have used it sporadically, but it was barely used. How are you going to have the final Jurassic World film and not even include the two themes that make it iconic? The... And don't forget the... Nee, 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 like, oh my god! I like drive my head through a wall when you've got two epic themes like that, and for the final film, you don't even use either of them in a conceivable way that gets me
0: hyped up. Yeah, they weren't even a closing themes, for they, the even, not even for the end credits. I
1: don't even think there was opening themes either.
0: No, not in the open, No, definitely not the opening. <sighs> Jesus Christ almighty. Yeah, but after that scene, now, um the, the way the second film ended was was Jeff Goldblum saying, saying that we are now in a Jurassic world because that stupid little girl opened the door and uh, let all the dinosaurs out into the free world. Yeah. So you would think going into this film, oh my God, this is going to be a batshit crazy film where it's going to be humans versus the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are going to wreak havoc all over the city. And we got none of that. Instead, we got something about freaking locusts. But we'll get to that in a, in a minute. We get a we get a scene where they're uh, at a drive-through, and then a dina dy- and then a T-Rex is wreaking havoc. Was this a new version? I don't remember the first scene happening. I just remember
1: that because, uh, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I watched this film the day before we started recording this podcast. I just remember that the whole premise of the film was that they these locusts were man-made and they were made purposefully for the sole purpose of destroying the crops so that biosan could be the one lonesome people that can
0: distribute food and yeah, they wanted to be the only source of food which is ridiculous this should have been for another movie but whatever whatever is this right. is the plot they wanted to go with um Instead we, we get TikTok videos of dinosaurs kinda like roaming in the real world and you would think they'd be destroying shit and everything. No, instead they're just walking around, being captured being sold to the black market. It's again we're back to the black market part again. And um somewhere out, I believe in Nebraska or wherever, um, the little the little clone girl is out taking a taking a bike ride around town. She's basically not supposed to do that because she's a very wanted girl by um by this company, BioSyn, since she's a clone. And basically Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are living out uh, basically in the middle of nowhere just to keep her safe. Speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard, Claire, on her I guess on her own free time, She's uh, breaking into warehouses and freeing dinosaurs because we ain't got enough of those, Romeo in the world, with our previous two characters from the film. And the only reason this scene exists was just to write them off after they get away or whatever the fuck. They say, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I got another job at the FBI or some shit. And the girl said, I'm going back to school, whatever the fuck. And then that was it for them. They had that scene just to write them off. Whatever. Adios. Bye. And then our next scene, we see uh, Chris Pratt. He captured himself a dinosaur. I don't think this scene was in your version. And uh, he gets confronted by the one guy. Um, He was later, I think he later got killed in the dinosaurs in the black market. He got, well, he's in your version, but but this was my introduction to him. He wanted (laughs) to take Chris Pratt's little dinosaur that he captured because, again, he wants to sell it to the black market because their bones are worth money or some shit. And Pratt had to give it to him because he was outnumbered in the, and the bad guy had more guns than Pratt. And then we're taken to the little girl. She's complaining to Bryce Dallas, Claire, that, you know, she feels like a prisoner. She wants to be out in the real world and they tell her you can't do that. I I feel like their main goal was to make that little girl a pain in the ass. Because if that wasn't a the goal, they succeeded. She had a point, but she was very unlikable. Very like, unlikable. I, I hated this subplot in the second film. I still don't like it in this third film. It is not, this, it was never a selling point, I don't think, for anyone uh, for these films. I just want to see dinosaurs. Just keep it simple. Fucking dinosaurs. Yeah,
1: it really doesn't make sense. Uh, like I said, a film like this could have been done, but not for the finale of a trilogy.
0: And then, And then we're taken to a field somewhere in Texas, these two kids. All the crops are being eaten by locusts and then that's when we get introduced to ellie statler laura Dern's character and uh, when she gets introduced it kind of the way they introduce her they do that same shot from the first film where she takes off her glasses and she goes and just <laughs> staring into the field and apparently this is this has been a problem all over the country even though we don't see it happening we just see just this one field these lo- these human-made locusts are eating all the crops around the country and, of course, this is our main food source. And she tells the farmer, I need a second opinion. And then that's when we get introduced to Al- the returning Alan Grant, Sam Neill. And he's basically doing the same thing. He was doing the first film, digging up. He's an archaeologist, digging up dinosaur bones. And uh, them two meet up. And then he kind of mentions, uh, you know, how are your kids doing? She's like, oh, you know, they're great. They're all grown up. They're in school, whatever. I don't see them anymore. Fuck them. And then he says, what about Mark? I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was married in the third film. And the only reason I guess, And she's like, we're not together anymore. I was like, all right. So they're going to end up together at the end of the film. What they should have done this whole time. But they uh, never went through with it for whatever reason. Yeah. So, yeah, she tells him about the locust problem. And he says, all right, so we got to go to this spot, um, this school, whatever. And then get their take or whatever the fuck. By the way, my version is like two and a half hours. It is long as fuck.
1: Yeah, the the Jurassic Park films were never known to be short, with the exception of Jurassic Park 3, because that was like 90 minutes, but this film, even the standard theatrical version was pretty long. I think it ended up being 2 hours and 20-something minutes.
0: Yeah, and the extended adds like another 15 to that.
1: Yeah, like who wants to fucking watch... And, and and to be fair, I may be the only one that thinks that, but who wants to watch a two-hour and 45-minute film that's supposed to be based on dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs are just being used similar to that of the fucking uh, attack dogs that Michael Vick was using?
0: So why? So while uh, Sam Neill and uh, Lauren Dern go to this place, this uh, school or resort facility, whatever the fuck... Uh, we're taken back to, uh, Chris Pratt and Claire, uh, Chris Pratt and, um, I keep forgetting his character's name, Owen Grady, Owen and Claire, eventually Maester clone daughter, quotations, daughter, gets kidnapped. They also kidnap, uh, Blue's child dinosaur. I forgot, apparently Blue is also li- living in the same premise, or at least living in the woods area around Owen Grady. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how Owen is apparently communicating with Blue, telling Blue, hey, I'm going to get your kid back. Why would he care to get the Blue's child back? Blue could snap at any moment. You don't even know what the hell this dinosaur is saying. Whatever the fuck. Just go with it. Don't ask questions.
1: Well, that's been my main problem with the Blue character. It's that the Blue character just seems to never trust the owner that took him in or took Blue in and cared for it I get that this is a dinosaur and the whole um, I'm still a snake at the end but it just feels so disconnected to me that Blue who is the one established character dinosaur that we've got and we can't even rely on Blue of all characters to be able to know the difference between Owen Grady and these asshole
0: people taking the dinosaur's daughter so the asshole took um uh mace and the dinosaur's daughter they end up I believe somewhere in Egypt or somewhere in the Middle East where there's like a desert that's where they're going to make their trade over to these people and apparently these people uh we later find out work for Dodson and we'll get to Dodson in a minute and, um, and during that exchange is where we get introduced to Kayla Watts, played by Deondo Weiss. This character's okay, but the way she's being portrayed, it just, it hit me, because I already mentioned Colin Trevorrow, who's so a director of Star Wars film. And that's what it dawned on me, oh my God, he wrote Kayla Watts like Han Solo. Similar to Han Solo, he does like, you know, he just kind of, he's a work for hire, he does these things, but in deep down, he ends up helping the good guys in the end to dethrone the evil empire. That's basically, Kayla Watch is kind of, I guess, a black female version of Han Solo. A black female pilot. I mean, how many of those do you see today? That's how you know this movie's fake. Yeah. But, but Grady and Deer and Claire, they end up following them to, uh, I guess, this place in Egypt where they're being traded to the, we get the black market scene with the dinosaurs, which... You know, I would have been more acceptable to this had it not been Jurassic Park, because the problem with the problem with this being a franchise, of Jurassic Park was such a smart written film. And by the time they wanted to make a franchise out of it, they knew they had to dumb it down. They had to like, like really dumb it down and
1: dumb down over the last 15 or so years when it comes to horror films.
0: So, we get the little chase scene, um, and I, and to the film's credit, it, do, it feels like a Mission Impossible film at this point. At least with this scene, they're being chased around through the city by the dinosaurs. It's completely ridiculous. You just got to go with it. But I will say, it's actually pretty fun. I think it's a very well done chase scene. And by the way, I'm going to ask you this. The one girl that was there, she was kind of controlling the dinosaurs. She put the dots, you know, she made the dinosaurs go after the main leads. What happened to her? the, the kind of like Asian-looking girl looking woman. We never saw her again. Yeah, I think or she it. just fucking disappeared and just never returned. Yeah, she disappeared and never came back. I'm assuming she was the one that handed over the girl to uh, Dodson later, but we never saw her again.
1: I guess they were too preoccupied with, uh, I don't know, fucking this new main villain they got a bios and shit. I don't know.
0: I, yeah, um, So they have the chase scene. They're able to get away. The uh, the female Han Solo was willing to help them out, and she helped them escape. So now you got her, Claire, and Owen Grady in the airplane flying over to this facility where they're going to get their daughter back. While that's happening, uh, we're taken back to Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler. They're at this facility, and they found out the, the head uh, leader of this facility is Dodson. Do you remember Dodson from the first movie Dodson here. See, nobody cares. Yep. Not played by the same actor, of course, because the original actor likes little kids. So uh, can't have him.
1: The original movie but- Dodgson. Dodson. Interesting. So this. So in other words, this was a character from the first film. Oh, my God. Oh, God.
0: From the first film that that served no role, no purpose. other just he was just there and they decided to bring him back.
1: But they brought back a different actor for the role because the original one is on Chris Hansen's hit list.
0: Yeah, but why? But why did they bring back the John Dodge character? You could have put any. You could have used any character. You could have made up an original character. It would have made no difference.
1: I guess to be clever, to go back to a character they once had
0: sure to make whatever.
1: look smart not saying it is
0: smart i'm just saying uh, so basically Dotson, aka elon musk steve jobs whatever you want to call him because that's basically what he's supposed to be like who i this guy was so boring i'm not i'm not i'm not putting it down the actors just that they wrote this character so bland and boring he was nothing he was black
1: <laughs> he was black interesting
0: yes so uh statler and uh grant uh meet up with uh ian malcolm jeff goldblum turns out he was just kind of there to do a presentation of sorts when in reality the main reason he's there because he kind of wants because he also wants to break in and find out if these people are really up to bad things which they are and this was the big reunion like what of the first of the big reunion we got the original legacy characters back together and yeah, as you mentioned it's none special it's like oh okay yeah all three are together at least they're together Unlike Star Wars. Yeah.
1: But couldn't they just figure out a way to make it feel epic once they're finally together?
0: And they tried with that presentation scene. I mean, did they not learn from the original
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film? And what made the impact of seeing those turtles so great was them building up the anticipation of finally seeing them. You see shadows of them you know they're there and then even before they finally show up as soon as they're about to show up they hit the title screen to hype e- it up even more and then they fucking pop out and it's a big deal
0: so we're taken to the laboratory you see mace being locked she's kind of in i guess in a laboratory room and then we get introduced to henry Wu. bd wong is back again and i guess he's good he's working with and they're talking about the locust and of course the locust was all on them and basically, he wants to be the only food supplier in the world. Why I don't know, like world world domination. Hmm. this was this was literally the entire. this was like this was the main plot of the movie,
1: yeah. it was and again, the dinosaurs didn't really serve a purpose here. They were just like window dressing. The locusts actually served more of a purpose than the dinosaurs,
0: yeah, and I hated the locust plot. I, I and, oh, yeah, I guess I'll mention this. Uh, mace. They mentioned the backstory why Mace is so important, because she's a clone. And when they clone the dinosaurs, one of the female scientists, uh, was able to clone herself and she made herself pregnant. As we mentioned, we don't need no man.
1: Yeah, it was like, what, we are replaying the Virgin Mary story all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. And of course, this female scientist who was never introduced in any of the previous films except here. She's the real genius.
1: Yeah, she was a real bright genius. Better than uh, Haman, who was the reason that Jurassic Park even existed.
0: Better than everyone. She's a genius. This is who we should be centering all of Jura- all of the dinosaurs around her. Everything that's happened in this film, this whole franchise, is all because of her. Of course. So, I mean, Mace is able to break out. She meets up with... Um, uh, Sam Neil, Lord Dern, they try to escape to um, the underground, and uh, they almost get caught. Uh, Jeff Goldblum makes a save, and eventually, all three of them are together. And then, well, while that's happening, um, Claire, Owen, and female Han Solo—they're in a plane. Uh, Pterodactyl, I guess—the the bird dinosaurs of sorts—attacks the plane. And uh, Claire has to get out because she's the only one in her seat that has an eject button, so she ejects a get out. While the other two stay on the plane in the plane, luckily doesn't crash and explode. They're okay. Claire has to basically uh, make her way through the woods while the other two are, for some reason, walking on very thin ice. Mono, I gotta ask you. What's the safest way to get through, um, ice? If if you have to cross a lake on ice, what's the safest way to get through it? Uh, walking slow? No, that's actually the last thing you would do. Walking or running, because all your weight is on your feet, and once that ice breaks, you're going straight down. What you're supposed to do is crawl, almost like a military crawl, because therefore all your all your weight isn't on isn't with your feet. It's kind of Balanced everywhere between your stomach, your arms, your legs, where it's harder for the ice to break. Hmm. That's the safest way to do it. You would I would think they would know that. Especially one that's built in the military. Female Han Solo over here. But no, they and it's not like they're being chased by dinosaurs to the point where they have to run. At least that part didn't come up yet. But what do I know? They're walking on thin ice, eventually the dinosaur shows up. Brady crashes through the ice, and for some... I don't know how the hell she did it. She was able to pull him out like he was nothing. Like he was just a little child. She had yeah. her uh, Ellen Page moment.
1: Yeah, where she's able to deadlift a man that's way bigger than... Well, at least this woman was a full-grown
0: woman, as opposed to... What's it? Elliot Page? Elliot, Ellen, whatever his, her name is. Yeah, but he, even she, when she pulled him out, she it's like... When you try to pull someone out, if they fall in through the ice, it's very hard to pull them out because you don't want to get too close to the hole or else the ice is going to keep breaking towards you. Yeah. Don't ask questions. So eventually they escape uh, the dinosaur. They're able to make it through the uh, underground cave. They eventually meet up with Claire. And then we get the big reunion. They all finally meet up. Our legacy characters meet up with our new trilogy characters. And nobody cares. Eventually, yeah. they, all to, they all have to make their way out. Um, Dodson uh, ends up burning all the locusts. But all the locusts break out through the ceiling. And they're all on fire. And by, I think this is all on an island, by the way. And eventually, and as they're escaping, all the locusts die. But they're all on fire. And they end up starting a forest fire. So now everyone now everyone in this facility has to escape. Dodson, for some reason, is uh, escapes by himself. Through um the caves, and he ends up getting killed by the same dinosaur that killed um uh what's his name in the first film? Except uh, less, except less terrifying.
1: Uh Wayne Knight?
0: Yeah. It was yeah. better in the first movie than it was here. Here I just thought it looked too silly. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the dinosaurs
1: for the most part look the fakest in this film? They did. Especially that part. A lot of the dinosaurs look terribly fake. And for a movie that came out 30 years after the original, you would think that these dinosaurs should have been top-notch quality up to this point. But the CGI just, was
0: pretty They just rush to get this movie out, or? I
1: don't know if it was pressed on time, if they were in a rush, or if they just, I don't know, but. For a movie that came out 30 years after the original, and the dinosaurs don't look anywhere close to the ones from the original, is not acceptable at all.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing, um, the new trilogy films had a common: all the main big baddies have gotten killed by a dinosaur. Yeah. So uh, Dodson dies. Um, the other, the other six are able to get away. They escape through the plane and then they all just kind of go back to their lives. Oh, and Ellie and Alan finally get together, I guess. They had their kissing scene. And um, everyone lives happily ever after. Um, I guess the dinosaurs are still roaming the world. They're able to burn all the locusts. All these man made locusts are gone. Dinosaurs can roam the world with humans like it's nothing. And everyone lives happily ever after. Did I miss anything? Uh,. Oh, and BD Wong's a good guy.
1: <laughs> I guess we're missing the plot. We're missing our lunch. Well, who the fuck knows? It, like I said, when this move was going move B was going on, I thought, that yeah, it's it's different, but I'm okay with it, and then it's just
0: you just dragged and, dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. Yeah, and you just saw the theatrical version. Well,
1: theatrical version only like 15, 20 minutes shorter.
0: Yeah, and I it's just so disappointing because the way the second film ended, it, you figure, oh, my God, we're going to be living in a Jurassic world. It's going to be fucking mayhem. It's going to be freaking awesome. And instead, we get something about Locus and this little girl who's a clone of her mother or whatever the fuck. Her mother can produce, make babies by herself asexually. You're like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? We were lied yeah. to.
1: There was a lot of problems with this film. I'm not even going to front because it just felt like, with all the tools at their disposal, they didn't use them to their full capacity. you got the three new or three main characters from the original, and two of the main are a new one, and you couldn't even come up with anything conceivable that would be interesting for any of them. Like, come on.
0: Instead, we get two stories that have nothing to do with the franchise women producing by herself asexually and Locus. and Locus. for some
1: reason they had an obsession with Locus.
0: i i don't know this i hated that subplot i always hated the clone subplot even in the second movie um i i did not like this movie too long i almost fell asleep at times i'm surprised i made it i was like god because i was originally going to watch the extended version and the regular version just to compare but I never got around to watching the regular version. Because I didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if I was to rank all the Jurassic Park movies, I mean... I mean, at least with this film, it had some scenes that I liked. I did like, the, as I mentioned, the action sequences when they were, I guess, in Egypt. And they are doing the mission. And it felt like something out of Mission Impossible. The chase scene, I will say, it was a lot of fun. Um, but besides that, I mean everything else in this film is this is just a very underwhelming conclusion to the to this trilogy i mean and i feel like and i feel like they're going to make another one in the future they're just going to wait several years
1: yeah they're definitely going to either start a new trilogy or just continue where they left off here yeah
0: because i don't know if it's going to be a new one a reboot restart whatever the hell but i feel like this i just i feel like this isn't the last we've seen of the jurassic park world movies
1: Yeah I'm in agreement, Especially since this movie did turn a profit
0: It did it made a lot of money
1: So There's still a lot of money to be made With Jurassic Park it looks like
0: I don't really have much else to say about this Um, Where are your thumbs with this one Thumbs slightly down Yeah my my Are going to be down with this one I feel like It should have been it's own movie The whole Locust thing could have worked as another film the cloning thing has, should have stayed out of this movie, out of this franchise.
1: Yeah, it got too far-fetched at that point. Yeah, you got dinosaurs roaming the earth, but now you got cloning.
0: Now we got this pain-in-the-ass little girl and cloning, and it's like, oh, what are we doing here? We're we're losing plot a her, a here, a, guys. A very unlikable pain-in-the-ass girl. Yeah, very unlikable. Yeah, I mean, there were some, as I mentioned, there were some scenes I liked. I did like the scene. I, I think there were like the little girls like in the construction yard. And you had those two dinosaurs just kind of walking into the construction guys were kind of leading them, you know, to get out. I don't mm. know if that scene was in your movie in your cut.
1: As I said, I would have it would have been better if I had been reviewing this movie as soon as I finished it. Obviously, I can't remember. So,
0: yeah, um I'm actually going to I guess. I mean, if you watch the other two, if you really want to watch this one. Go ahead. Otherwise, skip it. It's just yeah. another. This was just another milk cow of a franchise that just wanted to make as much money as they possibly can. Keep milking that cow, baby. Yep, you made your money. So, uh, who knows what's next with these movies? Hopefully, there's no more. And I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you just find somebody who can bring the charm of the first one to life. But I don't see that happening.
0: I don't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park's landing in a bottle. With that said, that's gonna do it for this episode of Fractured Skulls. From Anoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Just do that Jurassic World pose that Chris Pratt always does every time a dinosaur approaches him. You'll be all right. Just stick your hands out. Stick your hand out, and
1: then get scratched. Or scratch and touch, it.
0: Yeah, and then touch their head, and then you'll be all right. Bend your knees, touch your toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes.